Hello, you're listening to Home Talk with Greg McKim on Tuesday, March 6th, 2019. If you're listening on a different date, well, then the show was either pre-recorded or this is a rebroadcast. Wow, another spectacular day in the Pacific Northwest looking out at the Olympics. What a gorgeous view. I've always wanted to hike to the top of Mount Olympus. So if anybody out there is listening today and has some advice or experience with that, feel free to call in and share it with me. So what is Home Talk? Well, Home Talk is a show where I cover just about anything that has to do with home ownership, from selling to buying, financing, reverse mortgages, remodeling, new construction, repairs, inspections, you name it. Of course, I'm not an expert in every one of those fields, but I do have some expertise in most of the industries. In fact, I've been in real estate industries since the late 70s, everything from sawn boards to owning a mortgage company. I'm currently a licensed real estate broker with Rockwell Realty and a licensed loan originator with Loanzilla. My loan originator license number is 106202, and the Loanzilla license is 67412. Today, I have a great guest. His name is Jeff Skillingstad from Troon Construction. Not that my other guests weren't great as well, just in case any of them are listening right now. But Jeff and I have known each other for a while. We go back when a friend of mine worked for him, and also Jeff helped me build out a commercial space I owned in downtown Bellevue one time. Jeff is a seasoned contractor. He's been involved in the building trades for about 38 years, everything from the Google campus to building condo complexes to remodeling somebody's kitchen. So I brought him here today to talk about the, the kind of the, the, the do's and don'ts, how to find a contractor, different ways to approach building a project, and um, some of the things that are going on in the industry right now. But before I get started, I would like to give you the phone number for calling in. If you'd like to do, do, do so during the show, where did my notes go? Because I don't have that number memorized. Oh, got it. I usually have it right in front of me, but I've misplaced those notes. How, how inconvenient. Here we go. Oh, well, somebody's waving a placard in front of me. My producer, Eric. The number to call in today is 425 373 5527. And here I found my little cheat sheet for those kind of numbers, so I won't forget again. Off air, you can call me on my mobile. Eric, you don't have to show me my mobile phone. That number is 206 250 6545. Again, Greg at 206 250 6545. And my email is gmckim, that's G M C K I M at loanzilla.com. Or you can visit our site at loanzilla.com. You can also listen to this or prior shows by podcast at 1150kknw.com under audio, audio, not audio, audio archives. So, Jeff, welcome to the show. Appreciate having you here today. Greg, it's a pleasure to see you again and uh, discuss uh, the ins and outs of uh, construction on a beautiful, gorgeous day here in uh, the city of Seattle. Anything you want to add about your experience or expertise? That I, 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 you have a large resume, and I just covered. I just barely touched it. Well, uh, I have a lot of experience in both the uh, commercial construction side and also residential. Uh, I've done uh, construction of Boeing commercial buildings and uh, hotels, uh, Albertson Safeway stores, and I've built probably in the neighborhood of. 50 to $60 million worth of condominiums in the Kirkland-Bellevue area, as well as some residential homes and numerous remodels. Okay. So that kind of is a full gamut. How did you get your start in construction? Um, I actually uh, went to the University of Washington, and when I attended there, I uh, was playing baseball. I actually wanted to be an architect, but because of the schedules uh, for architecture, uh, and the conflict it had with baseball, I went to a, a new program called Construction Management at the University of Washington, which has turned out to be a very, very uh, impressive program, and a number of the colleges in the state and around the country have that as a, uh, as a major. 
for people who are interested in, in managing and being involved with the construction industry. And while I'm thinking about it, if any of the mm. listeners are interested in talking to mm. Jeff off air or like to talk to him about a project, where can they reach you? Uh, my email is uh, Jeff Skilcon, J-E-F-F-S-K-I-L-L-C-O-N, at gmail.com. And as long as Gmail is working. Uh, it wasn't uh, earlier today, but it is back online. <laughs> right, yeah. So uh, it was a rather stressful day trying to execute and manage the construction world from a, from a Gmail account. So Jeff, it's G-E-F-F, I mean J-E-F-F, skill, S-K-I-L-L, con, like construction, at Gmail. Okay, and then your phone number, in case somebody wanted to call you? It's 425-785-4384. Again, that's 425-785-4384. Okay, so so we had an agenda of things to go over. I thought maybe you could help somebody uh, figure out how to find and interview a contractor. You have some ideas for that? Well, there are a number of ways to do that. Uh, The first... uh, way to reach out is to uh, some of your close circle of friends. Uh, typically, that's the best way, word of mouth. Uh, usually in a circle of friends, you'll somebody will know a contractor that either has a good reputation, not so good or otherwise, and uh, it's best to uh, have a close-knit group of people that you can trust to reach out to find contractors. You can also go on the uh, internet and you can Google general contractor, residential contractor, commercial contractor, put a city or an area, and you'll usually come up with names of contractors um, that are participating in that particular type of work in your area. Among those would be Angie's List, Yelp, uh, Home Advisor. The other thing I would suggest is uh, if you have a remodel project to visit Home Depot or go to uh, maybe one of the local lumber suppliers like Dunn Lumber and just go up to the salesman there. That's where most of those contractors uh, buy and live part of their days in. And uh, you can usually get a good reference and an idea from from some of the local construction-related businesses. What do you think about, let's say you hire a contractor to do a pretty sizable job. What do you think about hiring another third-party consultant to oversee and, and manage what that person is doing? You think it's a hard, you think it's an extra layer of cost you don't need to do? Or you think it could save you money and save you problems? You ever, you ever, you ever worked in that, in that arrangement? We, we, we do that all the time. In the commercial side, there's usually a construction manager, an owner's representative that, uh, and an architect that typically uh, yeah. oversee construction. If you have a residential project or a remodel and you've engaged uh, an architect, uh, they will typically uh, act as the overseer of quality okay. and conformance to specifications and plans. And, uh, again, that would be part of the reaching out process to a contractor and or an architect. So in commercial, it's pretty much always done that way. In, in residential, is it what, what 50-50 or just depend upon the size uh, and scope? It's, it's, you know, you can still get an individual to come out and help you to oversee. Uh, if you typically what you'll need to do, what you should do is go through the permitting process with any local uh, jurisdiction, city of Kirkland, Bellevue, Seattle. Uh, in order to do that, you have to submit a, a set of drawings, uh, whether small or whether large and complex, that needs to be approved by the city. And oversight will then proceed with the city with a building inspector, which will inspect your electrical, your mechanical, your plumbing, your structural work. Every once in a while I have a contract that I've talked with, and he says, oh, let's just skip that whole inspection process. That's kind of a red flag, isn't it? Uh, that's a, that's a definitely a red flag. <laughs> uh, you, you, you don't want to leave the city out of the loop. And you what are to, some other red flags? If you were interviewing two or three contractors, there would be one. Like, now let's save some money. Let's, let's skip the inspections. I mean, some things you don't need to inspect. You don't need to inspect putting new tile in your bathroom. But anytime you get involved in electrical, plumbing, any structural, you should, actually have, you should always have an inspector involved, right? Well, you should. And, and if, it's, if it's something that you're trying to do yourself or you have uh, your brother or uh, brother-in-law or whoever that, that, that has some familiarity with uh, carpentry, plumbing, or otherwise, if it's a replacement of like-kind product, 
replacing a toilet, painting a room, uh, adding a cabinet, uh, no. carpet, uh, that does not require a permit. Basically, the trigger point is any structural addition or structural modification to your residence. Right. And I think that's what we're primarily talking about. Uh, if it's cosmetic, uh, you do not need a permit. You do not need an inspector. Let's uh, say, you, let's say you're redoing your kitchen. You want to move where your dishwasher is located, and you're just doing a little bit extra plumbing. Would that use would that involve a permit inspector inspection or not? Uh, no. Okay. No. If you added two twenty to the house that to do a dryer, uh, you would have to. Well, have to somebody get an knowledgeable. Electrician. And, they, they, and they you, would know. Then you need an electrician, and you there need you to okay. determine whether or not your panel sizes or capacity of your Got house okay. power system will accommodate that. So other than somebody telling you you shouldn't have inspections and permits involved when you think, you know, unless there's a clear reason not to, what are some other red flags? If I was out interviewing a, a contractor right now that you've been in the business long enough, somebody says or does something, you'd say, I'm not working with them. Well, first of all, you'd want to get a price from them. Well, that's a starting point, yeah. Yeah, and 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 some of the red flags are uh, whether or not they've uh, completed the work in uh, in that area, uh, Bellevue, Kirkland, Seattle, and uh, you can usually tell uh, by ask them for a resume, like you just asked me for mine, All right. okay. and All right. uh, see uh, call some of the previous projects that they have done and ask previous owners if they were satisfied with okay. the work that this particular gentleman did. Common sense sort of thing there. Yeah. So one of the other questions I have is, what do you think right now in this market, in this area, is a reasonable hourly rate for piecework? Uh, <clears throat> the, a reasonable hourly rate for piecework is probably, obviously, a non-union rate. And uh, if you were to go out and... Okay, uh, none of the union guys call in and get mad right now. They don't no, no, no. We, 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 you can do both. Yeah, but, right. But That's generally speaking, yeah. residential uh, work is, is in the non-union yeah, uh, right. world or environment. And actually, there's, there's not a lot of difference in this day and age other than uh, the big commercial work is usually union and mm-hmm. smaller work, including mostly residential and condominium, is non-union. So to answer your question, Greg... Uh, a typical laborer is, generally speaking, in the twenty to thirty dollar range per hour. Uh, a, a carpenter is in the thirty-five to forty-five dollar range, and a supervisor carpenter foreman would be in the forty-five to fifty-five dollar range. There's always a chance that that would be less than, depending on experience and depending on where you're looking to get that particular labor and/or if you have a reference. If you're on Craigslist, I think that's typically what you're going to find. All right. So time and materials versus a lump sum. Obviously, smaller <coughs> jobs versus bigger jobs. Is there some sort of a cutoff for when you should do time materials versus a lump sum? Or is it just a personal decision about how you want to proceed with whoever you hire? I, I would personally recommend in the residential world, if uh, if you have a comfort zone with a particular contractor or subcontractor, you know who they are, you know the type of work that they have done before, uh, then maybe a time and material approach to that uh, would would be worthwhile. Okay. Uh, they'll certainly tell you if, if they, they want to do time and material because of unknown or unforeseen conditions. Right. So typically, uh, if you're in a little larger realm of work or scope of work, you probably want to get a get a lump sum and or uh, get two or three bids if that's the size of the you project. You get a dollar amount that you'd say cut off where you'd want to do a lump sum, like I mean, 10000 100000 You can do a time and material contract with any amount. With anybody, of course, yeah. At any amount. And so, uh, it again, it goes back to your, your comfort zone and the labor rates that they are quoting. Right. So typically what would you do with a time and material contract or subcontract is ask what their labor rate is, ask what their uh, their overhead and fee is on that labor rate and whether or not it's included. Right. And when it comes to material, you'd want to ask whether they have a 10% markup or a 15% markup. And as always, what if, if they are paying Washington State sales tax. So as a contractor, you we talked about these... Uh, reasonable hourly rates right now, or the going rates. 
So if it was your laborer and the, the, the fee was 20 to 30 bucks an hour, what's a typical markup for you then? Is it what's typical in the industry? Well, there's labor taxes involved with that. So okay. uh, we're, we're talking on, on a construction company level, if you will. Uh, if I'm if I have to pay somebody twenty five dollars an hour as a laborer, I usually have uh, thirty to thirty five percent labor taxes, which goes to the state, mm-hmm. goes to the federal government for unemployment, state unemployment insurance, et cetera. But you want you also mark it up for some profit because you got to administer. That's my, that, at the end of the day and end of that process. That's a cost. So my typical markup, depending on the volume or the the the, the, the the size of the contract dollar amount would range between, and then the market nowadays is probably fifteen to twenty on a smaller project or larger. Uh, above and beyond those other taxes and so forth. Above and beyond okay. those other taxes. All and, right. and if you're into uh, a smaller project, twenty-five uh, percent is not unheard of. Right. And when you get over the hundred thousand dollar range, if that's the size of a home remodel that you have, you're probably looking at. 10 to 12 percent, depending on other labor charges. All right. Well, we're walking into a break here. So we'll stop at that. We'll come back in a minute. You're listening to Home Talk with Greg McKim. This is the show that covers home ownership from A to Z. We air each Tuesday from 3 to 4 here on 1150 AM KKNW. During the show, you can call in at 425 373 Five five two seven, off air. You can reach me, Greg, at two zero six two five zero six five four five, or email me at gmckim at loanzilla.com. My guest today is Jeff Skillingstad from Troon Construction. Again, Jeff, can you give out your phone in case someone wants to reach you? Four two five seven eight five four three eight four. And your email? Jeff Skillcon at gmail.com. J-E-F-F-S-K-I-L-L-C-O-N at gmail.com. And you can also listen to this or prior shows by podcast at 1150kknw.com under audio archives. Thank you. We'll be right back after these messages. Don't go away. Three, two, one. Oh, no. Which button am I? When every second counts, you can't wing it. Uh, Guys, a little help up here. In a home fire, you may have less than two minutes to get out. So make a family home fire escape plan. Then practice home fire drills at least twice a year so everyone knows what to do when they hear. Prepare your family at ready.gov slash fire drill. Brought to you by FEMA, the Ag Council, and Make Safe Happen. Alternative Talk 1150. Local talk for the body, mind, and soul. Welcome back to Home Talk with Greg McKim, the show that covers home ownership from soup to nuts. Today, my guest is Jeff Skillingstad from Troon Construction. Jeff has 38 years' experience in just about every area of construction you can think of, everything I'm working on the Google campus, building multi-unit large condo complexes to remodeling kitchens. In the first segment, we talked about his resume a bit, his ideas for how to find, interview a contractor, reasonable or going rates right now for contractor piecework, laborers, carpenters, supervision, and time and materials versus lump sum estimates for your project. If you'd like to call in today with any questions for, for uh, myself or Jeff, you can reach me at the, us at the station, which is 425-373-5527. So Jeff, I left off. My next bullet point was to talk to you a little bit about remodel advice. People ask me this all the time in, in, in the real estate. Where should I put my remodel dollars? Where am I going to get the biggest bang for the buck? My first answer is always square feet. That's it. If you add square feet, you're going to get, there's nothing that much more that you can get for that. That's correct. Uh, it, and it depends on, on, on the, the product or house or floor plan that you have at this point in time. Uh, what's existing? Uh, what's going to improve it? How dated is the structure or home that you live in now? Uh, what's, uh, what's, what's your taste for, uh, new product, new design and where to put those dollars are typically in uh, square feet, which would include bedrooms, uh, a living room, a den. Uh, it also depends on the structure of the existing building. Of course, uh, you can't always add square feet. So let's say you're, you're stuck here. 
So I say usually you're going to get the most bang for the buck by updating your kitchen. Right. Next is probably bathroom. Correct. And then kind of go down the list from there. That's correct. So you, you, you hit the nail on the head. And so if, if your existing space is what you have, what's going to improve it? The kitchen, the bathroom, TV room in this day and age, okay. or okay. computer room. All right. And, and what you can do with the existing square foot footprint, as we call it. Uh, and that also is dependent on code and jurisdiction of your local uh, city or county. Now, people often ask me, okay, well, I, I put $50,000 remodel into it. Can I get $50,000 out of it? I say, no. I mean, you already had to have a fridge. You already had to have a floor. Right. And there really isn't. I've looked for years. There's really no formula for this sort of thing. Well, it's, no, there, there's no formula for it. And, and as an example, in my own personal uh, residence, uh, we bought a lot from, uh, from uh, with Greg McKim. As your representative. As your my representative in the uh, North Kirkland area. And it turns out that uh, we actually bought a piece of property that is zoned for two lots, which means you can build two homes on it uh, by a small increment of square footage, which was unbeknownst to me at the time. So what that means is we have an older house, which is kind of a, has, was, was out in that area, had orchards, they subdivided around, and we ended up with a piece of property that has two lots. I also have a detached garage. So to me, uh, the previous owner had done a pretty good remodel in our existing older home which updated the kitchen, the living room, the yep. bathrooms with modern fixtures and everything else and design. So it was a very comfortable spot. Our, de- our detached garage, however, uh, was, was for two cars, but we could build a two-bedroom apartment above that detached garage without changing any footprints or subdividing or short plating, as we call it, that existing lot. So the best bang for my buck and what we're in the process of doing right now is we're actually adding 900 square feet, which is a 30 by 30 detached garage. We're adding a second floor to that. And that will generate, uh, given the market there, uh, probably $2,000 a month. And mm-hmm. and so I'm going to take that one step further. You can do the math. That remodel in the market that we live in right now is, if I'm putting $70,000 into that remodel cost, construction costs, I'll get that immediately back in any appraisal that's done for any refinancing. And uh, probably... You sell the home, the value behind the, 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 the We've probably added... Uh, if you if you're out of pocket, you're you've probably added double that seventy thousand dollars. Oh, is that partly because you can do it for seventy? It would cost more to do it with somebody else, or is that would that be the cost if you were using Dep- somebody else? Depends on if your wife's involved or not. <laughs> Sorry, that's just a little bit of humor. Uh, it would probably that seventy is probably thirty percent less than it might be otherwise okay. because we. I'm not charging overhead and profit to myself in this. Particular. So if you were going to short plot that instead, which means you'd right. break that up, sell that as a completely separate home, what are the costs typically to short plot something like that and the time frames it takes with the, you know, the zoning and all the permits? The short, short plot, you would first need to get a surveyor to survey the lot. And that's going to cost you a couple thousand. That's going to cost you two or $3,000. Okay. And then what you would do from there is you'd probably have to get a, a – the surveyor could generate – that particular drawing, uh, and uh, that's probably another three or four grand to prepare that to go to the city or the jurisdiction where you live, and that will have to go through the billing department and be approved as a short plot, and that is all dependent on the individual uh, uh, codes of that particular jurisdiction. That usually takes four to six, probably two to four months and uh, that's probably a, a, a cost to do that to go through that approval process. Probably another two or three grand. So you're up around ten grand to get that done. Between eight and ten thousand dollars. And I now the, the goal is to build on it and sell it as another home, 
Well, yeah. you then you have two separate lots. Yeah, you, right. Depending or on you where, sell it to somebody and let them build a home on it. And then it all depends on market conditions. And the market yeah. we had this just this last year, you know, two lots in that area probably would go for uh, three to four hundred thousand dollars a piece. Right, right, right. So, so right now somebody's thinking about remodeling, and you know, one of the things that I watch in real estate is everybody for a while is getting dark wood cherry cabinets and then everybody goes to white and now then everybody goes from granite to quartz how does a person how does a person figure out other than what their own personal preferences are is there a place they can go to see what trends are coming up they just talk to architects and designers and let those people um, guide them I think I think that's a good way to do it and the other thing to do is go to some of your local uh Pier one imports. Uh, see what's out there. Just, see what... just, you you got to be proactive and go out and take a look. Right. And, and, and depending on what your personal um, tastes are, et cetera, you can also, you know, you can also use our friendly Internet and, and Google, uh, you know, current architectural or interior. The Internet's friendly unless you start talking politics with people. That's, that's usually when it's well, that's, less friendly. Well, that's a whole other show, Greg. So <laughs> I we'll you know, I was thinking about that. two situations where I had buyers looking at homes where the individuals who owned the homes had redone the bath areas the, the way that they loved them. And one was almost all rose marble. And so the woman apparently loved rose, but when you, not everybody loves rose everywhere. And the other guy was just really into tile. So everything was just ornate, over-the-top tile. So you got to be a little bit careful. You might love something, but you might want to figure out a way to make it so that it's more lovable to a larger well, audience. I, if, I, I think in, in, in this particular case, it's, it's a combination of a number of things. And, 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 and you, Greg, would be a perfect example of someone to talk to because you're in the real estate business and you're selling this product on a daily uh, basis. So you know what's uh, what's current. You know what's what's selling, and you know what uh, type of design uh, is 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 probably more uh, in demand than other. And then it would also entail talking to a designer or architect if you know anybody. And then it just you have to weigh your personal preference. That's right. Against the combination. all three. Yeah, that's right. And so, so by the way, the plug. I'll give you the twenty bucks after, but thanks for the plug. No, no problem. Yeah. Eric, you got to plug me a couple times too if you want to make an extra twenty on the side there. No, but 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 I mean that. I mean you're you're the closest to the market. That is know, true. Or yeah, someone, yeah. someone. And that, plus, I have experienced exactly that kind of thing right. where I walk into a house and people right. they just turn their nose, and it made it hard for those people. Those properties sat on the market for a while. There was nothing wrong with them other than the fact that they were so specific, so unique that it was it didn't didn't appeal to the masses. It, it has to be a team effort. If, yeah. if you have a. A hunter in the uh, in the family, and he wants to hang his, his trophies on the wall in your, uh, mm-hmm. your dining room. That would that might be a problem. So. <laughs> uh, I had another bullet point to talk about new construction device. I don't know if we really need to go into that. Is there anything that's specific about building new construction that you want to touch on? Or well, I think we've I think we've covered most of the the bullet points that we need to there. Okay. Uh, new construction is. Uh, takes longer in this day and age because of the subcontractor labor pool that's out there. Everybody's uh-huh. busy. The prices are higher than they used to be uh, because of that. Uh, there's a lot of people moving to the Seattle area. There's a lot of new residential homes further and further out from the Seattle core area, uh, which drives up travel time and costs. So um, it takes longer to build. Uh, if you're building a new home, it's going to take you probably six months to seven months in this day and age versus four to five in the old, in, you know, 10, 15 years ago. And uh, as far as a remodel concern, the most critical factor in this day and age is finding subcontractors that A, do a good job, B, and can conform to your schedule and do high quality work. Speaking of high quality work, I remember back when I used to frame houses, you know, we did specific things like we'd take the two-by-fours, we'd look at the belly and the crown, and we'd make sure that they matched yeah. and all those things. And, you know, starting right from the footing, you made sure it was completely plumb and completely right. level. Right. And my clients sometimes, if they're going to, say, build from even a big builder, you know, a developer or uh, maybe a small builder, they say, how do, I, how do I measure quality throughout the construction phase? And sometimes builders get a little irritated when people are breathing on their neck. But... um 
it is an interesting question because, like, let's say five, three years later, none of the windows or doors open properly and so forth. And, and, and you, it's hard to measure that as a consumer because you don't know what to look for during the building phase. That's correct. But one of the one of the one of the things you want to do if you're buying a new home in that regard is to get uh, a lot of your your big residential builders have warranties. And, That's true. And and, and so That's true. A warranty is usually one to two years, which will uh, cover any 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 uh, construction related uh, issues, leaks. Uh, performance of material appliances is usually a yeah. a, a warranty yeah. issue. So you're going to have a warranty for a period of time. Actually, so one, I had that on. I had that down on our on our list here to talk about. Yeah, so. and one of one of the one of the big concerns in this particular region of the of the world, if you will, is the uh, is the is the rain and the water intrusion. So yeah, that that's a big factor in this yeah. day and age, and most all the professional and uh, Quality builders now. There's a whole new approach to that with a, a building envelope. There's a lot of building envelope engineers. There's inspections for building envelope. So uh, there's definitely it, higher standards than there. It's used a to lot be. higher de- standard than this day and age. And everybody that's building a home, for the most part, is going to comply with those uh, standards and regulations and quality. One thing I tell people sometimes too. I won't name any builders. But let's say you're working with a big, well-known builder. You might just just walk up to somebody who had a home built by them three or four years ago, knock on their door, introduce yourself. I'm thinking about having this builder build for me. Sure. What's the, what was the experience like? Sure. Absolutely. You know, how's the, how, how are things been holding up? Now, as far as warranties go, uh, you know, builders, a lot of builders, oftentimes when you do any sort of a purchase from them, have their own paperwork in addition to, or in, instead of the multiple listing standard forms, purchase sale contract, they also have warranties. But you can also purchase your own warranties if you want to. There's ways to do it. And I, I ran across about two That's years a good ago. Point. I found a company that I, I vetted a, maybe a half dozen of them, and there's one I, I should have brought it today. But if any listener out there is interested, I found a warranty company that I think is second to none. So if you're interested, give me a ring, 206-250-6545, or email me, gmckim at loanzilla.com, and I'll send you that information. If you're really – about a year ago – um, one of my clients bought a home that was a complete remodel, and the builder's a small guy. He didn't have any warranty, so we purchased the, the builder actually purchased the warranty because like an insurance company. It's insurance, but policy. yeah, we basically built right. it into the, we built it into the price of the home, so the buyer benefits from it, and actually the builder benefits too. Why? Because then somebody else is an intermediary. Somebody else is protecting the builder from 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 hassles in lots of ways it's like well, it's like an insurance policy well it's also a third level of inspection because right. that that particular uh, insurance company or warranty uh, inspector is going to have to come out to the house in order to honor that warranty he's going to make sure that it, all the work and the quality of work complies with their standards in order to, to give you that particular warranty so i, I do recommend well worth it i, I think i, it's I would worth agree it. yeah, i would yeah. i would yeah, you know, the first thing to do is get references and interview uh, the, the general contractors or subcontractors you may have to do the work. But if you're doing a little bit larger project with the, with the house that you're talking about, that would be the perfect thing to do above and beyond what. And one know. of the advantages of one of these third party warranty companies is basically an insurance company is that sometimes builders, even the most reputable, large, well established builders, go out of business. Sure. It happened to a lot of them in 2008. Right. And, um, so they might have a warranty, but that's if they're gone, nobody's going to honor it. And these these third party companies, they'll they'll figure out a way to honor it because they're they're an insurance company. Agreed. Agreed. So let's take a look here at our time frames and see where we stand. Okay, it's about time to roll another break. That's a good cutting off point. So we're going to take a break. Listen to some messages. You are listening to Home Talk with Greg McKim, the show that covers home ownership to the moon and back again. We air each Tuesday from 3 to 4 here on 1150 AM KKNW. You can call in during the show at 425-373-5527 or reach me, Greg, off air at 206-250-6545 or gmckim at lonezilla.com. And Jeff Jeff Skillingstaff from True Construction, your phone again, please. 425-785-4384. And your email? JeffSkillCon at gmail.com. 
Or you can listen to this or prior shows by podcast at 1150 KKNW under audio archives. Audio, I keep saying audio, like rodeo. Audio archives. We'll be right back after these messages. When snowmobiling in an avalanche terrain, make sure everyone has an avalanche beacon, shovel, and probe on their person and knows how to use them. Get training by taking an avalanche course and check the daily avalanche forecast at avalanche.org. Always be aware of local conditions. If you see recent avalanche activity, go ride elsewhere. Most importantly, only one at a time on the slopes and don't group up in runout zones. Brought to you by the American Council of Snowmobile Associations and the Federal Highway Administration. Alternative Talk 1150. Talk radio for the body, mind, and soul. Welcome back to Home Talk with Greg McKim, the show that covers home ownership from here to there and everywhere. We air each Tuesday from 3 to 4 right here on 1150 AM KKNW. You can call in during the show at 425-373-5527. And today my guest is Jeff Skillingstad from Troon Construction, 38 years experience, has a degree from the University of Washington in construction management, done everything from kitchen remodels to the Google campus and multi-unit condo complexes all over the place. I've known Jeff for quite a while. He helped me um, build out a commercial space I owned once. So during the last segment, we talked about some remodel advice where you get the best bang for the buck, how um, some do's and don'ts about how to proceed with that and how to review new construction quality and then we segued into the importance of getting a warranty for any type of construction if you can get it and so next i'd like to stop uh, start with what do you th- think's going on right now i hope everybody wants to know what's going on with the real estate market what do you think about based on your side of it the construction market heating up slowing down leveling out um i think the the commercial uh, market is is leveled off a bit and i think the Residential market is still on an upward climb. Uh, it's slowed a bit, but I think, uh, as I as we discussed previously, that uh, there's a lot of home building going out in the uh, outskirts, Maple Valley, Enumclaw, Mount Vernon, uh, close to the Cascade foothills, Issaquah, uh, Carnation. So the pricing is probably leveled off, but I'm not so sure that the construction has. So. Land. There's still Find, a lot of finding lot of land. Building. You have to go out. That's the big challenge. You, you, obviously, a price-driven part of the uh, residential construction world is price price for the lot. So yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, there's a lot more density in in the Seattle area. So there's probably going to be a lot more remodels for apartment buildings. And if you live in the city of Seattle, I was I was. Uh, uh, listening to another radio show the other day and uh, grandmother apartments and additions, garage remodels. Uh, those are the type of things that are be coming up in the municipalities in the greater Seattle area that will have an impact on your home and uh, possibly your income and also uh, probably accelerate the construction market again as we move forward. You know, speaking of that, um, for a while, it was it was tough for for people or for developers were having challenges with condo litigation, and so they they stepped away from building condos and got into apartments, and there's been a condo shortage because of that. Yeah. But there's some legislation that's being proposed down in Olympia right now to make it less onerous for contractors. Are you are you aware of it? For developers? Well, Greg, we could take another two episodes or shows to cover some of the things I've been through with yeah. regard to condominium uh, ownership and uh, and lawsuits. I've actually been involved with uh, the Condominium Act of 1995 uh, was established. We actually had, my attorney was the gentleman that wrote that Condominium Act, uh, or law if you will, and there were, it was a first uh, run at uh, that whole process, and it was onerous not only to the homeowners but to the builders. Mm-hmm. And uh, the byproduct of that were a lot of lawsuits against the homeowners uh, for not pursuing general contractors, and the, there was a lot of pursuit of general 
contractors to expose buildings that had been just built to find the, the very small items that may not conform. It was a little bit of a cottage industry in the legal business. Well, it was a, it was a cottage industry and in and, and, and many, many cases un, unwarranted and uncalled for. Since yeah. then, the Condominium Act has changed because of the 2006, 2004 area, yeah. 2000, early 2000s. And it's, it's more user-friendly not only to the homeowners but, but to the contractors as far as uh, warranties, guarantees, and uh, construction standards, if you will. So they're making a move to make it a little bit less litigious again, make it because yeah. they, they still are finding that, that builders are, are still shying away from building condos because of some of those same problems. You know much about that new legislation? I, I read about it about a week ago, but I it went right through. Right I, right I don't know that there's specifics. There's All probably right. a shorter time frame for defects. Again, one of the problems uh, back in those buildings was it was in the uh, – the infant stages of, of the building envelope redesign, and a lot of those condominiums were being built with an old spec that uh, created a lot of water intrusion into condominiums, which is a, a, obviously is, is a problem for and homeowners. And that's a legitimate, it's been, yeah, it's right. a legitimate sure. thing. Yeah. But it got carried away to where uh, the legal world was, was threatening lawsuits against the homeowners if they didn't sue a contractor. Oh, I didn't know about that part. But okay. anyway, that's yeah, that's that's all been I think ironed out, and I think everybody has a has has a. Oh, a you know, I do remember that now. Reading this article in the Seattle Times about this proposal down Olympia, that one of the one of the problems has been that the HOA board right. could be sued. That's and here, correct. here I am, a board president, right? That's so correct. So I I get sued by homeowners. Well, I don't want to be on the board anymore. <laughs> and if you don't have anybody on the board, you can't manage your property. That's that's a catch twenty two. Yeah. Well, anyway, I, 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 to your point, I think the new condominium. I have not read it specifically because I still have nightmares. Well, there was one just passed original. about a year ago, a brand new. Right. Yeah, right. legislation about how HOAs in general, yeah. because you got HOAs, you got condos. Yeah. Everybody, everybody is 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 in a pretty good place in in all worlds there, and I think that your earlier comment about a third party insurance. Warranty is a big factor in, in right. the condominium world, so okay. that's 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 kind of uh, sub subrogated the the the, the legal uh, consequences of all that. So I had down here a question to ask you: What are some of your biggest challenges as a contractor? Uh, getting paid. <laughs> Sorry <laughs> yeah. about that. That's fine. Man. Um, actually, the challenge in challenges in the in the in construction world right now are finding good quality subcontractors everybody is so busy a lot of people have, 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 have migrated here that are in the construction business so you have to be very careful to do the vetting that we talked previously in the program to make sure that you have a quality uh, contractor that performs and does good quality work and so to do that, to manage a project on your own, to schedule subcontractors is the other part of that, is finding them and then scheduling them and maintaining a schedule that is cost-effective both to the contractor and the homeowner. So it's uh, it's very busy, and uh, usually what happens, not to be, uh, my earlier comment was somewhat of a joke, but not really because... Most of your general contractors, if you you don't want to pay somebody fifty percent down, if you're a homeowner and you got a plumber, uh, you want to you want to get that work performed first. But uh, general contractors that generally take care of their people, which is through the vetting process, uh, those subcontractors will usually follow those guys, and you'll find out who they are. One question I had here is, I've done some my own remodel work around my house, and I find things on Craigslist, like I found flooring and other materials for almost for free. So what if I came to you and said, hey, I've got my own flooring. Can you install it for me? I found some people on Craigslist to do that. How do you feel about that? As long as it's good quality? and Well, know. I mean, you know, there probably wouldn't be a warranty at the end of the day because you don't know how long the product, how it's old it is, shelf. where yeah, okay. it's sat, uh, or anything else. Uh, and if you uh, 
and 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 you would always want to look at what that product is first to see the condition of it and yeah. see if the if, if there's proper adhesive in the case of its floor covering or whatever. So it can work for you. I mean, right. if you've got uh, naughty pine that you want to redo your living room with, that's fine. If uh, if, right. if if you find somebody who wants to do it, that's great. One of the things that comes up quite often is that people don't like popcorn ceilings. So. Right. You know, and then, and then you, you need to, before you take it down, you need to double check to see with a test whether it has an asbestos in it. Right. And then if it does have asbestos in it, if you're a contractor, you have to be a licensed to, to asbestos removal or hire a sub that does it. That's correct. If you're a homeowner, is it legal to do it yourself as long as you meet protocols or do you have to contract a licensed asbestos remover to do it? Well, it's like going to Las Vegas. You, you can gamble if you'd like and do it yourself. But if you did but, it yourself, you know, but, people always but, say, oh, just wet it but, down, put it in bags, wear a mask, you know. But is it against the law? This is the part I, is it, if, if I'm a homeowner. It's, it's not against the law. If you do, do it, yourself. it yourself. The only thing that you have to make sure of is that you dispose of it correctly, whether that's in a proper uh, trash bag at the local uh, dump. So you want to make sure that you double check. Those. I see. But a homeowner can do it themselves. But if they hire a contractor, the ho- the contractor it's against the law for them to do it unless they're licensed to do it. That's properly. correct. Right. But I mean, that's that's kind of a, a conundrum that we faced uh, with the asbestos popcorn ceiling world. Asbestos is one thing. Popcorn on your ceiling is is, is a bit different. Yeah. Uh, there's standards and protocol that you can follow as a, as an individual homeowner and you can, you can wet that down. My wife and I did that with our old house in Woodenville. Just wet so it down. We wet it down, scraped it, put it into uh, trash bags and took it to the dump. And, and, and I think it's except that's what the, well, basically I mean, what a certified asbestos, asbestos guy becomes, will do. Yeah. Basically He'll take it, it to the, the, the danger with, with, with asbestos is when it's floating and drying the air and you breathe it in. That's that, correct. That's, that's where, that's where you always, I don't recommend that you do it yourself, but, but, but it's something that if you check with the proper procedure. Yeah. Just so everybody's clear on that. Neither of us are recommending that you do it no. yourself. It's just something I'm particularly interested in because I'm thinking about doing it myself. That's why I brought it up. Well, I'll so. give you a hand if you'd like. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't because you're a contractor. Uh, All right. So let's see if we missed anything here. We talked about uh, finding and interviewing contractors, t- time materials versus lump sum, remodels, new construction. I was thinking about market projections. Of course, everybody asks me what they, I think is going to happen in the real estate market. But when I, when I hear that the labor pool in new construction is super, super tight, that tells me a lot of buildings going on. If it starts to loosen up, then things are changing a little bit. That's correct. I say the same thing with in my business as a mortgage broker and a real estate broker. When, when back in the 2006 and seven, when my, my clients are coming to me and they couldn't afford to buy homes without doing crazy things like interest-only loans, I knew something was wrong. Right. If a person that has good income and good assets can't qualify, then the market was outpacing the, the, the consumer. And so those are little telltale signs of things. Um, I think that there's going to be a little bit more condominium activity because there's been a lot of push in the apartment business, so it got overbuilt. Would you say that's true a little bit? Uh, yeah, that's absolutely true. Uh, the apartments uh, that you get now are also very expensive, and I think there's a threshold there per your point that uh, a condominium probably makes a lot more sense. Uh, a new, new apartment in Kirkland, which was just built, four-story building, uh, I checked the rent for a two-bedroom apartment was forty-five hundred dollars a month. So whoa! So you're talking you're talking probably a lot more condominiums or townhomes if you can find the real estate to accommodate the townhomes. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever done any green home construction or remodels? You know, people say, "Hey, I want to try and make my home carbon neutral," or I've got a friend that owns a second home back over in Winthrop and his home is completely powered by wind and solar and it's it, and it sends it sends energy back to the grid so he doesn't have to purchase any any he, all he has to do is pay 20 bucks a month just to have a hookup that's it you ever done anything like that we've done a little bit of that uh, with uh, with uh, plywood products wood products uh, we it's a good idea uh, I don't think we're far enough along yet to make it uh, a total cost savings world that to build a house but but I think it's worth 
Yeah. Looking at and evaluating on a case by case basis. Well, John, what John and I have known each other since fourth grade, and um, when he got out of high school, within four years, he had the largest solar panel installation company right. in the state of Washington. So he has this in his blood. Right. You know, and so he, right. you know, radiant floor heat, and he, right. he, he, he we, we put up the windmill. A team of us put it up, and so he just does that stuff because he likes to do it. It's fun. Well, sure. Right? Yeah. It, it, it can also be costly, so you have to yeah. weigh all of that. It, all well, of yeah, options. you have to, exactly. Look, You'd have to know what materials to buy. Right. And, of course, he did a lot of his own labor, so that helps. It's a, it's a project of love sure. for him. Yeah, so. no, a, lot of, a lot of investigation like we've discussed. Yeah. Uh, one of the companies that I have come out to our HOA that does roofs, they do some of those garden roofs. Right. And they're, they're a good insulator, and they're attractive, too. But you can't just put it on any house. Your house has to be structurally able to, to handle There's the There's a lot of, lot of things that go there. It's beautiful. It's nice. Uh, water intrusion and structural yes. capacity are the two key components there. That makes sense to me. Right. So we're, we're coming up on, it looks like, the end of the show, which is about right since we're running out of things to talk about. Oh, unless you want to just go off on a rant about anything, but no, we we uh, we're, we're busy and uh, we're we're glad to be here to answer any of your questions and and comment on the current market and the construction world, if you will. It's complicated and it's uh, it's uh, has to be scheduled and managed, and uh, it's exciting if you can take it on upon yourself to do that, as long as you do the uh, the investigative. Uh, well, please give your phone number front. out again, your name, phone, and email. Anybody that's interested in having any remodel work or new construction done, please give Jeff a call. 425-785-4384 and uh, jeffskillcon at gmail.com. And this you. is Greg McKim with Home Talk with Rockwell Realty and Lonezilla. I air each Tuesday here at 11.50 a.m. KKNW from 3 to 4 Next week, I'm not exactly sure what my topic's going to be because I haven't got a guest lined up yet, but I think what I'm going to do is cover how to sell your home. Last week, I discussed what it's like, what the, the, my tips about buying a home, so that's exactly what I'm going to do. Next week, you're going to hear about how to list and sell your home. You can reach me off air at 206-250-6545 or gmckim at loanzilla.com. We're a local mortgage broker we work with about 10 to 15 regional and national banks and if you like to work with small local people who you can talk to who make the decisions for and are the um, your, your compatriots i guess in the area please give us a ring thank you very much for tuning in look forward to seeing you or hearing from you next week